Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Around 25 years ago, the American Film Institute, or AFI, put together a list of the top 100 movies of all time. And on that list of all-time classics were six movies from the 1980s. Ten years after that, they revised the list. Two of those movies from the 80s were removed, but two others took their place. And also, a seventh option was now added in. But through those two lists, nine total movies from the 1980s were considered among the best films ever made. I'm Jamie Logie, and this is Everything 80s, a podcast that looks back on a decade that forever changed the way we dress, consume, and connected. And today, we look back on those movies that the American Film Institute considers the very best of the 1980s. The American Film Institute is, quote, dedicated to celebrating excellence in the art form and to creating national education initiatives that inspire artists and audiences alike, unquote. The AFI is a training ground for filmmakers and is considered the best film school in America. Their master's program teaches the six key disciplines of filmmaking, cinematography, screenwriting, directing, editing, producing, and production design. The AFI also hosts festivals, and they make some pretty important lists, especially regarding the last hundred years of film. The hundred best movie quotes, the hundred best songs, and the hundred greatest heroes and villains are just some of those lists. And their biggest one, as it pertains to us today, is the hundred greatest movies of all time. Keep in mind, this list isn't put together by an intern for website clickbait, but is a super comprehensive and detailed collection. When the original list was put together 25 years ago, the American Film Institute invited over 1,500 leaders from the world of film. Directors, screenwriters, actors, producers, cinematographers, and even film historians were all invited to compile the definitive list. 400 films were nominated and then narrowed down to the top 100 greatest American movies. The top 100 list was also presented in a CBS TV special and then released on home video. 
And as it pertains to this podcast, six movies from the 1980s made that cut. But, of course, that couldn't be the end of the discussion, as the coming years brought us more and more wonderful movies. In 2008, the AFI updated the list, and that jury of 1,500 film artists, critics, and historians recompiled the list. And that's the one we'll focus on here today. So, which movies from the 1980s were selected? Some will seem obvious, some may surprise you, and there are others that you may assume would have been on the list, but didn't make the cut. But first, let's cover those two 1980s movies from the first list that didn't carry over to the revised 10th anniversary edition, as they are clearly still significant to the AFI. So with that in mind, technically in total, we have nine films from the 1980s, and we'll start with number nine, Platoon. On the original top 100 list, Platoon came in at number 83, one position ahead of Fargo. Released in 1986, the Oliver Stone-directed movie starred Tom Berenger, Willem Dafoe, and Charlie Sheen. Platoon is a movie about a university student leaving to go serve in Vietnam in 1967. At its core, Platoon explores two key themes, the brutality of war and the duality of a person in conflict. Platoon, made on a smallish budget of around $6 million, was an enormous hit critically and commercially. Platoon was nominated for eight Academy Awards and won Best Picture, Best Director, Best Sound, and Best Film Editing. Willem Dafoe and Tom Berenger were also both nominated for Best Supporting Actor. The next 1980s movie included in the original AFI Top 100 list came in at number 53, Amadeus. Released in 1984, Amadeus is the story of Mozart. The movie is told from the perspective of Antonio, who was a contemporary of Mozart, but was deeply jealous and claimed to have murdered him. Directed by Milos Forman and starring F. Murray Abraham, Tom Hulse, and Elizabeth Barrage, Amadeus was positioned between From Here to Eternity and All Quiet on the Western Front on the original AFI list. Pretty good company. If you were a movie-going fan in 1984, you know how massive Amadeus was. It was nominated for an incredible 11 Academy Awards and won eight of them, including Best Picture, Best Actor in a Leading Role, Best Director, Best Screenplay Based on Material from Another Medium, Best Art Direction Set Decoration, Best Costume Design, Best Sound, and Best Makeup. A true powerhouse of a movie if there ever was one. And kind of surprising, it didn't make the revised list. But now we move on to that 10th anniversary revised list. Amadeus and Platoon are out, and three new ones are added in. The first entry, which would technically be number seven on the list of the nine 1980s movies included, is 1982's Blade Runner. Side note, the year 1982 plays a key role in this AFI Top 100 list 
More on that in a bit. But on the revised list, Blade Runner comes in at number 97. I was surprised and happy to see Blade Runner on the AFI Top 100. It's one of my favorite movies ever, and truly a groundbreaking film. Directed by Ridley Scott, Blade Runner is set in a dystopian future where four human-like replicants return to Earth to try to find their creator. Set in the then-futuristic-sounding year of 2019, Blade Runner stars Harrison Ford and it really was ahead of its time. The cinematography, visuals, and special effects are still extraordinary to this day, which is amazing considering this movie is now over 40 years old. When you watch Blade Runner on a modern format like Blu-ray or 4K, it looks like it was barely made 10 years ago. And if you ask me, I think it looks better than a lot of modern movies. Blade Runner, however, wasn't a massive hit. Again, it may have been a bit too ahead of its time, but it would go on to have a massive influence on future filmmakers and movies. Finishing right ahead of Blade Runner on the AFI Top 100 list at number 96 is Do the Right Thing. Directed and produced by Spike Lee, Do the Right Thing came out in 1989. We're taken into the Bed-Stuy neighborhood of Brooklyn in high tensions during a hot summer. Eventually, things boil over and it turns into frustration and disintegrates into violence. Starring Danny Aiello, Rosie Perez, and Ruby D, Do the Right Thing wasn't a massive box office success, but still a moneymaker, and most notably, a critical hit. The Library of Congress selected Do the Right Thing for the National Film Registry, and it was nominated for two Academy Awards, one for Danny Aiello for Best Supporting Actor, and then one for Spike Lee for Best Original Screenplay. But many thought it should be included for Best Picture, including Kim Basinger, who mentioned this while presenting the Academy Award for that year's Best Pictures. Okay, total name drop moment, but I once randomly bumped into Spike Lee in New York City, and honestly, nicest person in the world. At number 91 on the top 100 list is a movie that sits between the movie Swing Time from 1936 and Goodfellas, and that's 1982's Sophie's Choice. Starring Meryl Streep, Kevin Kline, and Peter McNichol, Sophie's Choice is about a woman who survived a concentration camp. She lives with Nathan, and the two befriend a writer. Sophie and Nathan's relationship begins to unravel while she and the writer become much closer. Based on a 1979 novel of the same name, the movie is very powerful and features an incredible performance by Meryl Streep, who won the Academy Award for Best Actress. Sophie's Choice was also nominated for Best Screenplay, Best Cinematography, Best Costume Design, and Best Original Score. And we continue with that great year for movies, 1982. And the number 60 entry on the American Film Institute's Top 100, Tootsie. Starring Dustin Hoffman, Terry Garr, and Jessica Lange, 
the Sidney Pollock film is about Michael Dorsey, a struggling actor who just can't land a part. That is, until he takes on the real-life role of Dorothy Michaels, and then lands the role of Emily Kimberly on the soap opera Southwest General. Sorry, not soap opera, daytime drama. Tootsie also features Bill Murray, and if you were of a certain age in 1982, you'll remember this thing was a hit. A gigantic hit. Tootsie was a throwback to the movies of the 1940s, and back in 1982, everyone wanted to see this movie. The New York Times reported that it was the runaway Christmas hit of 82, selling $55 million worth of tickets. That was $20 million more than its next closest competitor. Adjusted for inflation, that's around $175 million. The Times reported that Tootsie was quickly becoming Columbia Pictures' most successful movie ever and about to pass Close Encounters of the Third Kind for total box office revenue. Box Office Mojo states that nearly 57 million tickets were sold, and by the end of its run, Tootsie brought in a staggering $240 million worldwide. In today's money, that's closer to $770 million. Tootsie would have been the number one highest grossing movie of 1982 if it wasn't for another hit that will show up on this list in a little bit. And coming up next on the AFI Top 100 list, a movie and character that was a throwback to the golden age of cinema and another entry featuring a certain beloved character that managed to take down Star Wars. Everything 80s will return after these messages. For the number 66 entry on the AFI Top 100, we now travel back to the year 1981, and the first entry to one of the most beloved trilogies of the 1980s and of all time. George Lucas and Steven Spielberg grew up with Saturday afternoon matinee movies and adventure serials. Those films of yesteryear often featured some sort of swashbuckling hero who always found themselves on adventures. With help from writer Lawrence Kasdan from The Empire Strikes Back, they came up with a new action star for the 1980s in a movie set in the 1930s. Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. In the first installment, directed by Steven Spielberg, we meet Indiana Jones, an archaeologist who is trying to find the famous Ark of the Covenant. The pursuit of the Ark puts him in a battle against the Nazi Germans, who are also trying to find it. The Ark is said to contain immense power, and Indiana wants to find it to prevent it from falling into the wrong hands. The discovery of the Ark leads to the death of the Nazis through spirits and bolts of energy, while Indiana and his companion Marion survive. The end of the film finishes with one of the most famous scenes ever, as the Ark is stored in a crate and placed in a warehouse alongside an endless amount of similar-looking crates. Not only is Raiders of the Lost Ark the ultimate thrilling adventure, but it always amazed me how Harrison Ford was able to separately play 
two of the biggest movie characters of all time and still managed to differentiate the two. By 1981, the world now knew him as Han Solo, but Ford managed to capture an additional identity in Indiana Jones, not to mention playing Rick Deckard in Blade Runner. So in 1980, he was in The Empire Strikes Back, 1981 was Raiders of the Lost Ark, and then Blade Runner in 1982. An amazing run for one of the most defining performers of the entire decade. Back in 1981, Raiders of the Lost Ark was a monster hit, making over $350 million at the box office. It was the highest grossing film of the year, and adjusted for inflation, that's in the range of $1.2 billion today. Steven Spielberg was quickly ushering in an era of big blockbuster films that were both commercial and critical hits. And he was only just getting started. Earlier on this list, we had Tootsie, the second highest grossing film of 1982. And the highest grossing film of the year, and number 24 on the AFI Top 100, is another Steven Spielberg film. It's a movie he made about dealing with separation. It's also a movie that comes from his love of looking up into the sky as a kid and his fascination with space. And also, if there are beings from another planet, what if they are actually friendly and capable of love? These ideas resulted in E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Not only one of the best movies of all time, but one of the most successful. Released in the summer of 1982, E.T. is one of those landmark movies. It's a film that appeals to all ages. E.T. is funny, terrifying, gut-wrenching, incredibly emotional, but still full of hope. And this gamut of emotions appealed to an audience so vast that E.T. soon became the highest-grossing film in history. In 1975, Steven Spielberg's first big blockbuster, Jaws, became the highest grossing movie ever. But just two years later, George Lucas topped him with the little robots and monsters movie called Star Wars. And barely five years after that, Spielberg topped him with E.T. According to Box Office Mojo, when E.T. first opened, it made over $3 million at the box office. That was quite a lot in those days, especially considering the average movie ticket cost under $3. And E.T. only opened on around 1,100 screens. Compare that to Avengers Endgame, which opened on more than 4,600. But the amazing thing with E.T. is how a week later, it made even more money than the opening. Two weeks later, it was making even more money. Three weeks after its opening, E.T. had one of the highest box office days of its entire run. Word of mouth drove this film. It was a movie you had to see. Nearly two months later, E.T. was still bringing in similar box office revenue to when it first came out. Even by the end of 1982, E.T. was still making at least a million dollars a day in the theaters. In today's money, that's over three million dollars. By the end of its run, 
ET was closing in on nearly $800 million worldwide. Adjust that for inflation, and it's over $2.5 billion. E.T. would be the highest grossing movie in history for more than a decade, until it was taught by another Spielberg film, Jurassic Park. But according to IMDb, when you adjust for inflation, E.T. is the seventh highest grossing film of all time, putting it one spot ahead of the Ten Commandments and right behind The Sound of Music. On the AFI list, E.T. sits at number 24, between The Grapes of Wrath and To Kill a Mockingbird. E.T. also moved up one place compared to the original Top 100 list. No matter how many times I've seen this movie, E.T. is one of those handful of films that still always comes to mind when the idea of a movie night comes up. In the number one very best movie of the entire 1980s, according to the American Film Institute, is a movie you may or may not see in this place, depending on how much of a movie aficionado you are. And that is Martin Scorsese's Raging Bull. Starring Robert De Niro in one of his greatest performances, Raging Bull is the story of a real boxer named Jake LaMotta, and the film is based on his memoir. LaMotta was a very turbulent and violent person. And even though this helped him excel in the ring, it made his personal life hell for everyone around him. Released in late 1980, Raging Bull wasn't a huge box office hit. It made back its money, but nothing to write home about. Filmed mostly in black and white, it just didn't capture audiences in its original run. Despite an extraordinary performance by De Niro that involved a remarkable physical transformation, Raging Bull also received some mixed reviews at first. But eventually, appreciation for it grew. The Martin Scorsese classic comes in on the American Film Institute's Top 100 list all the way up at number 4. The only movies ahead of Raging Bull Casablanca at number three, The Godfather at number two, and Citizen Kane at number one. On the original top 100 list, Raging Bull was still the highest ranked 1980s movie, but then it was at number 24. In the final revised list from 2008, the 20 place jump puts it into the greatest of all time status. Raging Bull from 1980 beats out Singing in the Rain, Gone with the Wind, Lawrence of Arabia, Schindler's List, Vertigo, and The Wizard of Oz, which make up the rest of the top 10 greatest movies of all time. That is the regard that film experts have for Raging Bull. Raging Bull was also nominated for eight Academy Awards, winning for Best Film Editing, along with the Best Actor Award for Robert De Niro. While putting this show together, I went back to rewatch a few of these movies that I hadn't seen in a long time. It's probably been at least 20 years or more since I last watched Raging Bull. In viewing it now through a new lens and new appreciation, it's pretty astonishing, especially that incredible performance by Robert De Niro. I think another thing that makes Raging Bull unique and why it's so high on the AFI list is 
that it feels like it could come out in any decade of the last hundred years. It's a movie from the 80s, but has a vintage feel and look to it. Style-wise, Raging Bull seems as if it could have come out in the 1930s, 40s, or 50s and not look out of place. It's very Citizen Kane-ish, not only in its look, but structure, minus all the profanity and violence, of course. But like Eric Voss from New Rockstars says, all modern movies are like a retelling of either Citizen Kane or The Wizard of Oz. And even though it's now nearly 45 years old, Raging Bull could be released this year and still have an impact as it has that timeless style, storytelling, and performances in it. So there it is, the very best movies of the 1980s according to the American Film Institute and over 1,500 film experts. To recap those nine movies in order, from lowest to highest ranking, we have Platoon, Amadeus, Blade Runner, Do the Right Thing, Sophie's Choice, Tootsie, Raiders of the Lost Ark, E.T., and the very best movie of the entire 1980s, Raging Bull. Lists like these always open up the debate. Where is The Empire Strikes Back on this list? Or The Shining? Or something like Rain Man? But there are so many factors and variables that go into this list that go beyond just pure entertainment. There's the acting, screenwriting, sound design, editing, cinematography, and costumes, along with legacy and influence. The AFI Top 100 is probably in need of another revision. But as of right now, this is the definitive list. And how do the movies of the 80s do against the other decades? The seven choices from the 80s trail quite a bit behind the decade with the most films on the list, the 1970s with 20 movies. In second place, the 1960s with 17 movies, and the 1950s in third with 15. But if you look at the top 20 movies of all time, both the 70s and 80s are tied with two entries each. A list like the AFI Top 100 makes me think about my own favorites. If I'm doing my own top 10 movies of the 80s list, it probably looks something like this. In 10th place, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? 9th, When Harry Met Sally? 8th, Stand By Me? 7th, Blade Runner? 6. Return of the Jedi In 5th, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade Number 4. Back to the Future Part 2 Number 3. The Empire Strikes Back Number 2. The Shining And at number 1, no surprise here if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, Back to the Future. Probably not a very original list, I know, but these are the movies that have stayed with me and they're the ones that I continue to watch to this day. So what do you think of the movies that the American Film Institute considers the very best of the 80s? Did any of your favorites make it? I have to say, seeing Raiders of the Lost Ark, E.T., and Blade Runner on there was always a nice surprise, and a reminder of how great those three films really are. But the thing I like about compilation lists like this is the discussion they create, and how they make us examine our favorite things. It makes you take stock of your favorite 1980s movies and why your favorites are your favorites. Your favorite movies of the 80s are personal to you 
and resonated with you for a specific reason or a particular time in your life. They're the movies that continue to stay with us. Our lists, like our top movies, are deeply personal and they're part of us. Lists like these can get us thinking, and I feel like the AFI Top 100 makes you appreciate your favorite movies more than ever. So that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. And if you're looking for some good companion pieces to this episode, I have a previous show all about the work of Steven Spielberg in the 80s, an episode where I break down the best years for summer movies in the 80s, and an episode all about the Indiana Jones trilogy. But there are a ton of other great shows for you to dive into. And if you want to keep this 1980s movie train rolling, you may want to check out the Everything 80s Movie Review podcast over at patreon.com. That's where I review the good, the bad, and the ugly of 1980s movies. I reviewed one featured in the AFI Top 100, Blade Runner. But other reviews include Stand By Me, Big, The Princess Bride, and The Lost Boys, among many others. If you want to check that out or learn more, you can head on over to patreon.com slash 80s. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash 80S. So that's it for me. Thank you again for listening. I'm Jamie. This has been Everything 80s, but I'll be back soon with a new episode. Don't you dare miss it.